Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. All right, let's get this party started, everybody. We have no games to recap from Tuesday, so we kind of needed to have a little bit of a different plan going into today's show. And that plan is... We have a massive 14-game Wednesday to preview, so that'll chew up a few minutes. But also, I thought we could do a little bit of a player deep dive uh, on a few guys that you all listed on Twitter. By the way, as I'm opening the show, we just got word that Walker Kessler got downgraded to doubtful. So uh, I had briefly considered making him one of the player deep dives, but now that he's probably not even playing tonight, we're going to go ahead and leave that one out. Reason behind some of this thought process for me, uh, just in case anybody cares, and I don't know that you guys do, but I want to get more specialty programming on our YouTube page. So yesterday we had a buy or sell show with Raphael Johnson. It seemed like folks enjoyed that. Um, I looked around the YouTube space and the podcast space for how other content creators are doing this buy and sell thing. And it does seem like, for the most part, they split it into two separate shows. There's a buy show and a sell show. So perhaps we'll do that going forward. Allows us to focus a little bit more time on each individual player. We don't have to sort of zip through the names the way that we kind of did yesterday with Roth. But I want to do some buy shows. I want to do some sell shows. Uh, I'd like to do... We already have our weekly preview show with Derek Ball. That's every Monday afternoon. We have our Friday weekend review show, which is good. We don't currently have a waiver wire show. We used to have that here at Sports Ethos. It was behind the paywall. And for a long time, that was run by Eric Ong, who had been with Sports Ethos for a very long time, one of my good buddies in the industry. Uh, But that doesn't exist right now. So perhaps we'll get that one mixed in. I don't know if the weekend is feasible, but that would be the right time to do it because folks are making their waiver claims on Sunday. Um, There are just a lot of other, I thought, kind of specialty shows that we're not doing right now that I'd like to do as part of this sort of growing offering as I focus even more on podcasts, videocasts, things of that nature. So hopefully with a little thought I can come up with a few more things if you guys have ideas of shows that I haven't thought of feel free to throw them in the live chat you can also hit those with me or hit those hit me with those over on social media at Dan Bespris D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S on Twitter where I hope I will certainly see many or all of you guys that listen to and watch this show this is of course Fantasy NBA Today a sports ethos presentation make sure to join us over in the ethos discord a link that I have now confirmed works both in the live chat, in the show description, on Twitter, wherever you guys want to find it, come hang out with us over there. I'd also like to mention here, before we dive into the Wednesday preview as the first part of today's show, that Brew and I are doing our first secret show today. The only way to get on the mailing list for the secret show is to sign up for said mailing list. There is no other way to get the link other than, you know, obviously somebody passing it along to you. The link to that I just put in the live chat. I threw it up on the screen. YouTubers, you can cut and paste that. It's a mailer light sign-up form. Join our email list. You will get the link to my secret show with Brewski. We're going to be doing these periodically throughout the year. Again, the only way to get those is to either be a premium subscriber. That costs money. Joining the mailing list does not cost any money. 
Those are the two ways you can get that link uh, to see our secret shows. First things first, however, on this program, we have a colossal Wednesday to go over. So let's start looking at some of that. Make sure that I get my face in the right place on the YouTube screen. There's really no right place for this face. But let's just go through it top to bottom because there's a bazillion things going on tonight. 28 of the 30 NBA teams play this evening, which means we'll have some things to go over and a couple of explanations as to why we're looking in certain directions. From the top, mostly chronologically, the Wizards. We'll start with the Wizards. Uh, Daniel Gafford had his first really nice ball game of the year his last time out. Can he do that again is sort of the simple question on that one. Jordan Poole we're going to talk about later in the show. He's one of the underperformers so far, so I don't want to spend too much time on him right now during this Wednesday preview part. But the big question I think with Poole is, is it a buy low or is it just that he's not going to get anywhere near his ADP? And that's what we're going to be determining on three names later on today. For the Hornets, the only real question mark is Brandon Miller. He got a spot start uh, with Terry Rozier missing their last ball game. It seems like Terry is probably going to miss another one. Can uh, can Brandon succeed where he failed last time around? Is it the players around him? Does it create sort of this usage hole that he was able to soak up when he was coming off the bench? We'll get a better idea of that after game two. Celtics, Derek White, not with the team at shoot-around, but he is expected to join the team ahead of the game coming up later tonight. That was also what we heard about Monday's game, and then he did not join the team before that one. So I wouldn't say that it's set in stone. If he sits out, uh, Al Horford potentially gets into the mix. Oh, and we just got news breaking 30 seconds ago that Draymond Green is expected to be out for tonight's ballgame for the Warriors due to personal reasons. So... That'll change what we're looking for in that Warriors game later on. Sixers. That should be a fun ball game, by the way. Boston two-point road favorites at Philadelphia. Philly, we're looking to see what Nick Batum, who seems to be the new guy who got the minutes in their last ball game. I don't know if that's something that continues here, but we'll keep one eye on him. I don't think that Batum's going to get enough consistent playing time to be worth your, your while. And we see every time, with the Clippers at least, every time he started to get more consistent playing time, something started to hurt on him. But more than anything, we want to know, is this going to mess up Kelly Oubre? He had a bad ball game. I would argue Kelly's kind of first bad ball game of the year his last time out. But unfortunately, it it ran right in conjunction with Nick Batum getting to do stuff, which was good sort of find the open space, quick trigger three kind of thing. Do they need as much scoring out of Ubre as as or do they need as much scoring out of that spot in their roster as Ubre was providing? And then does he end up moving back to the bench, which is probably good for Kelly? This is all stuff that we want to pay attention to over on that Philly side, along with whether or not DeAnthony Melton can get his minutes up and over twenty eight in this sort of lower usage role for him behind Embiid, behind Maxi, behind Tobias Harris, behind Kelly Ubre even for shots. We can't, it's not going to get done in 24, 25 minutes the way that it did in Memphis when he was coming off the bench and able to take a a bunch of shots in a row and kind of run things a little bit. He's not having that opportunity now in a way that we expected him to. So we need more minutes out of DeAnthony Melton. I want to give it as much time as humanly possible, though, because we know that if he starts to figure out his place with this team, with this roster, with this construction, it can get good really quickly. I don't want to miss it. Well, I was going to ask about Walker Kessler on the Jazz, but since he's now downgraded to doubtful, I'm going to assume he's missing tonight's ballgame. 
The other thing on Utah, and I'll say it as many times as it needs to be said before everybody listens to me, Jordan Clarkson and Taylor Horton Tucker are not worth your time in nine category leagues. THT, I feel like a lot of you would argue that THT's had a pretty good start to the year. Like, he's done more than people expected. He's number 177. Jordan Clarkson, one would certainly argue, has had a very bad start to the year. So it's not like we can say, hey, he's been good and he's still this low. He's been awful, and he's number 308. He's doing so much damage to your fantasy team that whatever small amount of good he's doing, which right now is assists, that's the only category where Clarkson is above league average, one out of nine, mind you. He's shooting 34.5% from the field. That'll get better. 75 at the free throw percent or at the free throw line. That'll also get a little bit better, although he's not a positive free throw impact guy. He's kind of a neutral one from the guard spot. Three and a half turnovers a game, 0.6 steals, only three and a half rebounds, only 13 and a half points. Yeah, some of this stuff is going to get better for Clarkson, but even in a good scenario, we're still talking 120 to 160 range. I don't think these guys need to be on fantasy teams, and I'm just going to keep saying it over and over and over again until you all believe me. Your team will get better when you move on from these dudes. You will win more. By the way, the Pistons just signed Kevin Knox to a one-year deal, and no one should care at all. Pacers. Lord, I wish we had something to pay attention to on this Indiana team. I guess we could say that Bruce Brown inconsistency is something we can pay attention to because he's number 132 right now in 30 minutes a game. I thought we'd see more assists out of Bruce. The, the 12 points and two three-pointers and four rebounds is a, around what I thought we'd get. I thought we'd get more than two and a half assists, and perhaps that's a byproduct of playing on a team where Tyrese Halliburton is initiating most of the stuff on offense as opposed to kind of looking a little bit more at last year where you know, the Jokic offense was everybody sort of pass, 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 and that's how he ended up at three and a half assists a ball game last season. But the other thing with Bruce Brown that I think is going to get better, he hasn't blocked a shot yet this year. And it's not like he's a massive shot blocker, but he's averaged about .6 blocks in 25 minutes per game over his career, so you got to figure that in 30 minutes a game, which, by the way, this season is the most he's played, that number should at least be around his career mark. Kind of the way the Steels is right now. Steels is at .9. His career mark is .9 in 24 and a half-ish, what I say, 25 minutes a game. So maybe that's a number that even ticks up to 1.1-ish, like what it was in Denver last year. If we just assume the assists stay constant and the scoring stays constant, the one thing that moves him from where he is now, which again... Not great, 132, but half a block a game, basically two blocks a week, is enough to move him to the top 100. That's all it takes for guys in that range. It's these, these small, very small, almost microscopic shifts, and if he ends up somehow getting an extra assist a ball game and he becomes 12, 4, and 3.5 and with a steal, half a block, and two three-pointers, that's a guy that you want on your fantasy team. So I'm sticking with Bruce Brown for now. I, I just... <sighs> I, 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 I can't say move on. Not to a guy who has shown the ability to have some 9-cat value. Not a ton, but some. And is getting starters minutes. Otherwise, with the Pacers, we're just praying. Throwing up a prayer that somebody ever starts getting consistent minutes. But it just it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. So, fair. 
Friends, going online without ExpressVPN is like changing while leaving your window wide open. Hell, you might be a bit of an exhibitionist. and You may not have anything you feel like you want to hide, but why give those random creeps a chance to invade your privacy? When you go online without a VPN, ISPs, as internet service providers, they can see every single website you visit and can legally sell that information without your consent to ad companies, tech giants, and then they use that data to target you. Why should you use ExpressVPN? Simple. When you use ExpressVPN, ISPs can't see your activity. Your identity is anonymized, that's a fun word, by a secure server, and your data remains yours. Also, it's so easy, you don't have to really think about it. You just fire up the app, you click one button, and it's on. You're protected. Again, you might not think you have anything to hide, but believe me, all of these companies mining your data, they know you do. I personally use ExpressVPN because I don't want companies looking at every single thing I do online. Because I also would like to use some of my products that I'm actually paying for in the way that they were intended. It can help with that as well. So secure your online activity by visiting expressvpn.com slash hoopball today. That is E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash hoopball and you can get an extra three months free expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Head there now. Spurs, nothing really. Devin Vassell being out. There was this this back-of-the-brain thought, can anybody actually step into that void? And the answer is almost definitely no. It's just sort of more stuff for other dudes. Uh, otherwise, not much. I mean, everybody keeps asking me what I think about Jeremy Sohan. I've been saying the same thing since before the season started, which is that he has massive efficiency issues. And moving him into this point Sohan role wasn't about to make those go away. He's also not a guy that you need to start in nine category leagues. For the Knicks, we saw Josh Hart get 30 plus minutes off the bench in their last ball game. That was great. Make sure he's not on the wire. Now we got to make sure that it actually happens consistently. Otherwise, I don't think much. I think we've got a pretty good feel for the rest of that team. Clippers, this is an obvious one. James Harden, day two. This is just going to be this slow... I, I call it somewhat sine wavy in that you'll have games where everybody everything looks better and then you'll have games where things look worse as the pieces fit together. And it's going to depend a bit, at least, on the defense that they're playing against. They went up against the Knicks team in Harden's first game, which I'm sure everybody loved rolling into Madison Square Garden as he makes his Clippers debut, but the Knicks can actually play some D. But Brooklyn's not going to play a whole lot of defense, especially not without Nick Claxton. So this game could be higher scoring. You might see the pieces seem like they fit really well, but it's this sort of seam versus reality thing. Good players, great players in this case, Kawhi, great player, PG, Harden. These guys are really, 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 really good at basketball. They're going to just find ways to score in a fun way against a team that's not that great on defense. And they're not going to be exposed as much for the chemistry stuff that still needs to be worked on. What I would say in general... And this is pretty much the case whenever uh, a massive usage, as Harden says, I'm not a system player, I am a system. Whenever a system arrives to a new team, 
there's usually going to be this immediate feeling that you want everybody to just explode. But that doesn't happen. So what actually happens in these spots is that the day the news breaks is a sell high. Because suddenly Harden was like, oh, Harden's going to play for a team. Instead of doing nothing at all. And it, on that player. But you also have a buy low window on everybody else. Because there's going to be an overreaction based on these early games to Kawhi and Paul George. Paul George had his, easily his worst game of the year. And it, you know wasn't even all that close because he was top of the board first round. And that one bad game dropped him to the middle of the first round. Oh no, he says. Uh, while also realizing PG is not going to shoot 52% for the year. Not the point. Point is, now you have a buy low on everybody. Because there's going to be an overreaction to each guy doing less. Big turnovers, chemistry issues, clunky clunk offense as guys figure out how the pieces fit together. And this is a big how-do-they-fit situation. This is a harder fit than Harden going to Philadelphia because there it was like, oh, the one main superstar is a center. You run pick and roll with that center. Make sure he gets the ball a whole bunch of times. Bingo, bango. Hey, we're good to go. With the Clippers, their center is a roll man, a screen and roll man. That's what if he eats a Zubats. He's a big body who has okay hands and he can finish around the rim. The Clippers offense prior to Harden's arrival was a lot of times Paul George and Kawhi Leonard taking turns initiating, whether that's ISO, pick and roll, whatever. There was a bit of a take-turns offense going on, and that's just not going to work with three guys, so they have to rethink the way this whole ship floats. And while that's happening, this type of stuff, I believe, tends to take about five to eight weeks. You will have buy-low windows in there that you can probably exploit on all three of those guys. For Brooklyn, nothing really. Um... Nick Claxton and Cam Johnson each got assigned to their G League team, so that means those guys are getting a little bit closer. Yay! It seems like Cam Johnson is closer than Claxton, but we'll sort of wait and find out. I think Cam got upgraded from out to doubtful. Uh, so that means he's probably one or two games away. I, I don't know what the story is with Claxton, but this is your opportunity. If you wanted to buy low on Claxton, you probably wouldn't have to stash more than like one to two weeks. That's a that's a golden opportunity to get a top 50 fantasy player for presumably pretty cheap because whoever drafted him is feeling, I think, kind of miffed about the whole thing. For the Pelicans, is it Jordan Hawkins time again? He had a really good first ball game. We heard from the Pels that they're going to be doing a little bit of matchup stuff, so guys like Dyson Daniels might see more playing time, but is that real? Or was that coach speak? For Jordan's got first dibs, if he mucks it up, then we'll go look at somebody else. I've got to believe that it's more that one, the latter. So Hawkins, probably a safe burger board guy with C.J. McCollum out, but we'll get a better feel for that tonight. Timberwolves, is Kyle Anderson a streamer or is Kyle Anderson better than a streamer? So far this year, the answer has been streamer. He's bounced back and forth between about rank 85 and rank 150 based on whether, whether his last ball game was a really good one or a really bad one. Last one was kind of a bad one, so he's back down in the 140 range right now. I'm giving him a little bit longer on teams where I drafted him because not that I spent a whole bunch of draft capital on slow-mo. I you know, took him in like the 130-some-odd range. 
But I had a measure of belief in him. And also, if anybody goes down for Minnesota, which they haven't so far, but if anybody goes down for Minnesota, then he very much moves in front of that. But if he's only a burger board play, then that's not a guy you need to sit on all season long. And hopefully we'll get the answer on that over about the next week or so. Lakers, the walking wounded. By the way, Cam Johnson just got ruled out, so uh, we got our... We got our official ruling on that, and Ben Simmons is questionable with hip soreness. That's some old man stuff right there. I know that feeling. For the Lakers, Anthony, or I think they're expecting to get Rui Hachimura back for this ballgame, so at least there's one little piece of good news. Jackson Hayes, I think, is still questionable, but Gabe Vincent is out for a little bit longer. AD is also questionable. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt is still out. I think Torian Prince is back. It's messy. Team is beat up. Most injured team in the NBA so far. Uh, obviously, if AD plays, that's good for the Lakers. Also good for us determining who maybe steps forward. If everybody's out, though, and it's like just Cam Reddish, Christian Wood, Torian Prince, and Rui Hachimura, a lot of those guys could end up being kind of interesting. So let's pay attention to that. There may be some streaming opportunities. Wood, I believe, is above that line. Christian Wood, you know, his lines have not been too succulent so far. It's why he's number 180. But when he's getting playing time, he's been a pretty good fit. A couple of three-pointers, some rebounds, can get a block. Worth an exploration at the very least, I think. And I've been saying that for a little bit here. For the Rockets, we should be getting Tari Eason's debut. If you want to add him and stash him, you can. Don't expect much. They're, they're, uh, the expectation not for him is 15 minutes. And if that's the ramp up, you're probably looking at at least a week or two until he's at whatever they actually want to do with him, which means someone's probably going to pick him up and drop him during that stretch. Or you can just wait. And, you know, when he gets into the low to mid 20s in minutes, you can kind of reassess whether there's enough fantasy stuff going on there for a pickup. You know your league better than I do. You know whether it's super competitive. That's uh, well, you're kind of making the call on Eason. For the Pistons, sounds like Alec Burks and uh, Jaden Ivey are still out, so do we want to flow to Marcus Sasser's stream? Maybe. Jalen Duran questionable. If he's out, then you're looking at an Isaiah Stewart or Marvin Bagley stream or both, and that's really, you know, Pistons are in burger zone right now. Bucks, nothing really. Cavaliers, we got a good name out of Max Struess last time around. As the team continues to get healthy, we're waiting to find out what his final role is going to be he's not shooting the ball well at all right now if that goes up does that counterbalance what we assume is a drop off in rebounding we shall see only time will tell but I'm sticking with it to see how it develops on the Max Drew side and then obviously we're, we want to know if Jared Allen is up to full minutes yet or if he's still kind of in that 28-29 range also Karis Levert, I keep bouncing back and forth on him. He's probably not going to be a nine-cat guy because of percentages issues, but I also think his percents are going to come up a little bit. And he's had a pretty good-sized role for the team to this point. So head-to-head, I think you sit on him a little bit longer. Roto, if you wanted to stash him on your bench and not play him against your games cap, that would be the way to go. I also don't think you're going to feel all that terrible if you did drop him and move on uh, because... The upside for Levert is really only when guys get hurt, hurt. Otherwise, you're thinking, like, can this guy get inside the top 100? Maybe. And so then you're toiling away on it when other things are going on out there. Thunder, nothing. Heat, I guess the question with Miami is, can you still buy low on Jimmy Butler? He had a huge ball game and jumped from, like, 80 to 40 in the rank board. 
So probably not. But I don't know. Maybe you can in your league. Grizzlies. Uh, I guess we'd like to have some kind of clarity on the center position, if there ever will be any. And I also, I've, I keep saying this, I am secretly waiting for Luke Kennard to have a larger role. It, it hasn't been one yet, but he's one of the best three-point shooters in the league, and it does feel like teams just need maximum floor spacing these days. So if all of a sudden Kennard starts playing 30 minutes, he's going to be jacking up 9, 10, three-pointers a game. That's, that's a guy you'd have to add. As it stands right now, you probably don't. For the Suns, Bradley Beal might might be making his season debut. I'm assuming he'd be on a minutes cap, so I don't know that I would play him against my games cap on the Roto side. Obviously, head-to-head, you get him out of your IL and you fire him up. This will be interesting because now does that make Bradley Beal the point guard until Devin Booker comes back, and then are they finally sharing that role? We still just have no idea because Booker and Beal haven't played a game together. Devin's only played two of their games so far. Meanwhile, Kevin Durant has played all seven. Who had that going? Well, this is why you can't just assume certain guys are going to be in and out. And by the way, Booker's been pretty beat up the last few years also. But anyway, uh, Beal, that's that's certainly your question mark there. For the Bulls, not much really on Chicago. Uh, You know, they got a nice win in their last ballgame against a bad team. Does that wake them up? Or was that a one-off? Every win for Chicago... You feel a little bit better about your fantasy assets there because they're going to try to ram their heads against a wall and hope that they can use their heads to knock the wall down. It's been ugly to this point, but every win makes those guys just a little bit safer. Raptors, uh, Precious Achua, I think, is getting closer to coming back. I would like to know if Jakob Pertl can keep up good numbers once Precious is around. It was not a promising start to the year before Achua went down. Meanwhile... Scotty Barnes, as awesome as he's been, and he has been awesome, he is also very much a sell high, uh, averaging 23 points, two and a half threes, 10 boards, six assists, and 3.2 defensive stats. Those are Anthony Davis size numbers on the defensive end. Some of that stuff is coming down. Um, I think you should be able to get a top 35 player for him right now. And I think if you can do that, you probably consider it. Where the hell were we? Oh, and then Gary Trent. Well, I mean, is there any reason to be patient here? I think the only reason to be patient with Trent is if you think he gets traded because it just doesn't look like he's going to have a job in Toronto unless somebody gets hurt. For the Mavs, kind of the same old stuff. Derek Lively, uh, foul trouble last ball game. What does this one look like? Assuming Maxi Kleba is still indeed out. And then Grant Williams, who's been rolling. I see no reason to hop off that train. I imagine he'll probably hit a shooting slump at some point and then... Maybe that's where he falls back towards the edge or outside the top 100, but it's not happening yet. So continue. Warriors, Pumpkin Andrew Wiggins has to be the thing on the docket here. He's been so, so bad so far this year. And he's just not involved, and he looks slow, and he's not taking it to the rim, averaging only .7. No, that's not right. How many free throws per game? I guess he's at three and a half free throws per game, but he's only making 54% of them which is a career low. Uh, Shooting from the field is basically a career low. His three-point attempts are back down again. His field goal attempts last year were at 14. He's down at 10. I don't know what the hell's going on with Wiggins, but something is not right. And I know I've been saying on the show he is both a buy low and also a player that I want nothing to do with on my fantasy team. It's possible that he might not be a buy low 
it's possible he might just be bad now, which is weird to think, but every part, or maybe hurt, but every part of his game is wrong. What is he up? He's one steal through eight ball games so far this year. This is a guy that's averaged a steal plus almost every year of his career. You know, last year he was at 1.2. He was also at 0.8 blocks. Two defensive stats per game last year. The lowest number in Wiggins' career is like 1.4 defensive stats per ball game. Mostly he's been at 1.7 to 2 range. And this year he's at 0.6. His minutes are down by 5 to 7. Mostly because he just doesn't look like he knows what the hell's going on out on the basketball court. I feel like there's something wrong with him and the Warriors aren't telling us because players don't just, you know, I know he's not like the springiest chicken, but he's born in 95. He's not old. He's 28. Supposedly that's the prime. Something is wrong with Andrew Wiggins and the Warriors are doing a hell of a job of keeping it under wraps, but we can all see that something isn't right with him. So... I almost feel like they're doing him a disservice by whatever it is that's going on, keeping it under wraps. But, like, there's no way he's 100% healthy. Will he ever get back to 100%? I don't know, because this does look a little bit like the Andrew Wiggins that came back after all the family stuff last year. And you just sort of wonder, like, is it in his head? Is it a physical injury, a mental one? How are we going to get Andrew out of this thing? And I don't, because there's no obvious timeline on when it's going to magically fix himself, whatever's going on with him... I don't think that I would even buy low there. I think you just want to get the hell out of that business. And if he shows signs of taking more shots, being more aggressive, being more engaged on both sides of the basketball, that's probably when you think about making your move. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize... You're out of drinks. Boo, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Super weird stuff, though. Nuggets, any chance Reggie Jackson becomes a thing while Jamal Murray's out? I'm somehow doubting it, but you never know. Blazers, Time Lord, feels like, uh, well, we're still waiting on the final ruling there. He has a procedure that could cost him two to three months. He also has a procedure that would cost him the rest of the season. Either way, the Blazers don't have that many other centers on their roster, so you figure DeAndre Ayton, who was already getting the Lions' share of center minutes at about 30 out of the 48 of them each ball game, that probably goes up to 32. I don't know how they can play him 32, 33 minutes for an entire season because that's just kind of hard on a big man. But, hey, extra minute or two, we'll take it if that's what happens. Because uh, Ayton, 
He and Demonis Sabonis, pretty good shots to lead the league in rebounding this year. And if Aiton starts to play more, well, there you go. What the hell was I talking about? I lost my place. The Kings, can they compete without De'Aaron Fox? Yikes. That was really bad in Houston. And the Rockets, I know, they're better than they were last year, but you know, they're a championship team or anything, and they made the Kings look like a, like they were a level below. My guess is that Sacramento is better in this ballgame, probably take the last one kind of personally in a way that, I don't know, it's almost like they thought they'd just be able to compete in the last couple. Um, but the Blazers are not very good. So this should be a, a good battle and, a, frankly, a winnable ball game. Kings are obviously better at home, you know, beam team stuff. I still trust Malik Monk over Davion Mitchell filling in for Fox. And the other thing on the Sacramento side is I'm starting to get some should I buy low on Keegan Murray. And he was a name that I considered for the second half of today's show in the is it a buy or is it a abandoned ship? And Keegan Murray is very much a buy. He's a buy low. He's shooting 36% from the field, 75 at the foul line. All the other stuff for him actually looks really, really good. Usage is up. Um, so all of that would indicate that he should be out in front of where he was last year. And he's still playable in 9-cat, even with this very cold start. So, yes, Keegan Murray, very much a buy. I don't know what it would take to pry him away. Uh... You want somebody off, like, a very late pick that's that's doing really well that you feel like maybe could fall off a cliff at some point. I don't know who that would be. Buddy Heald feels like a similarly valued player that's shooting the ball better here in the opening frame. Those guys could flip-flop pretty quick. Uh, Aaron Gordon, if you think his field goal percent and defensive stats come back to earth, that's an interesting one if you want to go get Keegan Murray. That feel like Aaron Gordon. P.J. Washington... Is an intriguing one. He could probably get you, Keegan. I don't know that I would give up much more than that. I don't think Denny Avdia is enough to get it done. Anywho, that is your Big Wednesday look ahead. Before we dive into our uh, players, I can't think of what I want to call this segment of the show. What did I call it in the title? I already forgot what I labeled this thing. Oh, Buy Low or Bust, Volume 1. That's what we're calling it. Buy Low or Bust. And the three names we're going to be talking about are Cat, Jordan Poole, and Markel Fultz. Cat, Jordan Poole, and Markel Fultz. But before we get to that, I want to remind everybody to please follow me over on social media, at Dan Bespris, and like, rate, and subscribe. If you're finding this show for the first time, second time, third time, whatever it is, and you haven't done those things yet, please take a second to do so. That's how we can continue to do more shows. That's how I can uh, convince the bosses to let me continue to do more shows on social, on pod, uh, on YouTube, whatever is growth if they see growth then they go all right dan keep sinking time into this stuff and then it's fun for me also because if i see growth then i'm going to keep sinking time into this stuff so please hit subscribe please hit that like button it's super easy if you're watching on youtube it's just right there it takes you one second and then again if you're over on the traditional pod side itunes spotify whatever if you have a moment to do a five-star review that would also be extraordinarily helpful and this show what did I do? Did I forget to do it again? I forgot to bring my lawnmower over here. This show is brought to you by our buddies at Manscaped.com. It's not a bird. It's not a plane. It's a sideburn trimmer sent from outer space. space, 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 space. Gentlemen, our friends over at Manscaped have been working night and day to bring you a below or above the waist grooming experience 
like none other with the brand new Lawn Mower 5.0 Ultra. We're talking next-gen trimmer with interchangeable blade heads for whatever shave your mind can imagine. Close, far, whatever. Upgrade your grooming game to the Ultrasphere this year by going to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping with our code ethos20. High-tech for low places and high. I use it on my neck, my face, all the time. It's just not that hard. This thing is actually really sweet. I wish I would have brought it closer to the screen for you uh, folks watching on video. The Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra is really cool. It's got multiple light settings, which was actually a complaint I had about previous lawnmowers, that the light was sometimes so bright that I couldn't see other parts of my face. Like, it illuminated one area, but not necessarily the one that I was hitting, but the one, like, right next to it. Now you can change the way the light uh, reacts, or you can just turn it off completely if you have plenty of light in your room also useful skin safe technology that's the big one you don't want to you don't want a whole bunch of pinches and nicks and pulls and all that stuff uh it's awesome you got three comb lengths you got a traditional blade if you want to get the closer shave it's the cutting edge of male grooming and it's over at manscaped.com 20 percent off again and free shipping with our code ethos 20 percent off free shipping with code ethos20 at manscaped.com. I promise you've never seen a sideburn trimmer look like a spaceship until now. Manscaped.com, ethos20. All right, buy or bust, volume one. We haven't done a show like this before. Let's bleep and see how it goes. First name on the list is... Carl Anthony Towns who we did talk about a bit on yesterday's program with Raphael Johnson. But when I asked who you guys wanted me to talk about on Twitter, there were still a lot of, I want to hear about Cat. So let's spend a little bit more time on Towns. Um, and perhaps it's that you guys wanted to hear me voice my own opinion on the situation a little bit more. Is Let's start with the quick answer to the question. Is Carl Anthony Towns a buy or is Carl Anthony Towns a bust. He is a buy. I feel pretty confident in that call. But it's a little bit more nuanced than that. Right now, Cat is averaging 16.7 points per game, 1.33s, 9.2 rebounds, 2.7 assists, a steal, 0.7 blocks on 38% from the field, 90% at the free throw line. Okay? That's where he's at right now. The first thing that I think everybody's eyes are going to jump to is that 38% shooting from the field. And we can feel, I think, very confident that that's not a number that's going to stick. Largely because right now, three-pointers aren't dropping. He's taking the exact same number of threes this year as he did last year, and he's making almost one less per game. Because last year he shot 37%. By the way, career 39%er from downtown. And this year, he's at 23 and a half. If you adjust the numbers up just from three-pointers alone, his field goal percent goes from 38 to about 47 or so. It's not all the way back to where we need him to get. But if you look at his overall field goal attempts, he's at 6.2 out of 16.2. Actually, I got that wrong. He would be at 7 out of 16. So he'd be uh, a little bit less than the number I said. 
The twos also aren't dropping, but we don't like. Let's assume the two, the shooting percent from two doesn't change that much because Rudy Gobert is clogging the lane. His two pointers are probably going to be a little bit tougher this year. Maybe it gets all the way back to where it was, but we can't just assume it does the way that I think we can assume on the three pointer side. The other thing, last year he was at eight rebounds a game. This year he's at nine point two. That's actually a really good sign, and he's doing it all on the defensive glass. He hasn't gotten his usual set of offensive rebounds yet, which perhaps that's a number that ticks up a little bit, even if the defensive numbers come down. Assists are lower. That probably stays because the offense is not running through him as often as it did in the past. But also, his teammates need to make shots a little bit better. So I think we can also assume assists probably come up a tiny bit from 2.7, maybe to about 3, probably not all the way. Last year, remember, he was in the 4s before he went down. Previous year, he was at 3.6. Before that, he was at 4.5. He's not the only guy anymore. One steal, pretty reasonable for him. That's, he's been around 0.8 to 1 throughout his career. 0.7 blocks is a little low for him, but again, he's playing power forward instead of center a lot of the time. Maybe that number ticks up to 0.8, 0.9, but I don't think we can believe, I don't think we can guarantee that it does. The one thing with Cat that I think we can guarantee is that the three-point percentage is going to get better. And if it does, I'm going to assume the two-point percent gets better as well. He pretty much jumps back to where you need him to be. Because the thing weighing him down right now is that he's been a big negative field goal percent guy. If his 38% from the field jumps up to even 47 or 48%, like, again, career 52.5. Since he started jacking threes, it was more like 50-ish. But we don't even need him to get all the way to 50. This is this is a game of just kind of simple math again. If he's at, what's he shoot? How many shots per game right now? 16.2 shots per game. Last year he was at 7.3 out of 14.8 shots per game. That got him to 20 and a half points. If his field goal attempts are indeed back up a little bit this year to 16, let's just say he's making slightly less than eight of those. Eight shots out of 16 would be 16 points. If you say two of those are threes, that gets him to 18 points. If he's making three free throws, that gets him to 21. And that's a very conservative estimate. So that's just with the field goal percent getting back where it needs to be. His points per game, his field goal percent goes from being a huge negative to a neutral, basically. Scoring goes up by probably three, maybe four points per game, maybe even five. Three-pointers go from 1.3 to two and change. That would probably get him to around, let's see, 2.1-ish, if you're going to mimic last year, if he continues to take 5.7 per game. So all of these things, that's like the rising tide phenomenon. His field goal percent goes up by 10, 11, 12%. Points go up. Threes go up. Field goal percent goes up. It's this big lift, and he jumps way up the board. Now, does Cat get all the way to where he was drafted, which at the end of draft season was like around 20? Probably not. Probably not. What I would point to, though, is that last year, before Cat went down, he was around number 25 on a per-game basis, and then he was worse than that when he came back because he was sort of working his way back into game shape. 25 is probably kind of a ceiling for him in terms of per-game stuff. But if he can stay healthy, then all of that is sort of a moot point. 
because 25 and healthy would beat his ADP of low 20s because not everybody's going to stay healthy. Now, we don't know if he's going to be upright the whole year, but yes, this is a buy situation on Cat. The other part of this is what's it going to cost to get him? Because you're not going to pay his draft day price when he's off to a slow start. That's not a buy low anymore. That would be a buy what someone else got him for. What you're looking to try to do is to get Cat for someone probably in the 40 to 50 range because they're well in front of where he is right now, but you still believe that he beats them when this thing is all said and done. Who are some of the names between 35 and 55 that we think probably fall back a little bit over the next, I don't know how many weeks or months? Uh, Jalen Duran is at number 37. He probably falls back a little bit. Um, Mark Williams at 41 almost definitely falls back a little bit. He's shooting 81%. As much as I think he's incredible, Asar Thompson is at 3.4 defensive stats per game. He falls back. He's been amazing, and you're definitely not selling for anything less than a pretty awesome player. Uh, you probably have to package these guys. Like, would you give up Mark Williams and Asar Thompson for Cat? That feels like a lot, but I think maybe you consider doing it. Michael Porter Jr. at 44, if you pair him up with someone like Jalen Duran or uh, Mark Williams, that probably gets it done. If you wanted to go one for one, you might be able to get it done with Alperen Sengun or Evan Mobley. Those guys are in the late 40s. Drew Holiday, you probably would have to pair him off with somebody. Um, maybe it would. Maybe you could get it done with like OG Ananobi paired off with someone. These are plays you can make, I believe, right now on Cat, and it probably ends up being... Uh, a, a small size win. Next player on the... I already forgot what we're calling this board. This is uh, buy or bust. I remember. I remember. I got it. Next player on the buy or bust board is Jordan Poole, who is off to an atrocious start to this season. 18 and a half points. I'm sorry, man. That's a really bad start. Poole averaged more points than that with the Warriors last year. 2.33s. We were hoping for more. 1.8 rebounds. You're on the floor for 28 minutes. You can't get two damn rebounds, dude. 3.7 assists. We all were hoping for more there. 1.7 steals is actually likely to come down a little bit for him. So, uh-oh. Uh, high volume, 43.5% from the field. Not good breaking you yet uh and only 79 percent at the free throw line 2.8 turnovers we figured that was going to be a higher number this year so jordan pool is an interesting one he's number 95 uh in nine cat per game right now which i think might surprise some people I, I think uh there was this feeling that he was actually lower than that but he did have a better shooting ball game his last time out and that brought him back inside the top 100 the question we have to ask ourselves on Jordan Poole is, what gets better and what stays the same? With Poole, I have to believe the usage goes up. Or maybe it's not even the usage. Maybe it's just the playing time because the Wizards are getting blown out every damn ball game. And you can see it. Those that are watching with us here, you can see the game so far this season for Poole his minutes are all super-duper low because his team is getting spanked. Wizards have had six ball games. He's cleared 30 minutes in two of them. In those two ball games, 
a win, the Wizards' only win of the year against the Grizzlies, back on October the 28th, he shot 8 for 23 from the field, 4 for 12 from downtown, and had 27 points, 4 boards, 2 assists, a steal, and a block, and as we mentioned, 4 three-pointers. 7 out of 9 free throws, which, again, a number we hope comes up for him. And the other one, their most recent game, a loss in Philadelphia, which stayed closer until at least late in the third, early in the fourth, and Philly kind of opened things up because Embiid went nuts. He scored 23 points with a board, 6 assists, a block, and 4 three-pointers and three out of three free throws. I'd love to be able to come on here and tell you guys that I have all the faith in the world that the Wizards start playing all competitive basketball games. Problem is, they are really, really bad. The Wizards are real bad. And like right now, Jordan Poole is playing fewer minutes with the Wizards per game than he did coming off the bench with the Warriors each of the last two seasons. He played 30 minutes a game with the Dubs each of the last two seasons. In fact, he was within three seconds. 30 minutes and two seconds in 21. 29 minutes, 59 seconds in 22. And he took 15.6 shots last year, which is the same almost exactly as this season. His free throws are down. Quantity and quality. The rebounds are down. Assists are down. The only thing up is steals, and we know that ain't holding. So while we know the steals are coming down, I don't know if it's going to get all the way down to 0.8. Maybe it's 1.0, 1.1. It's not going to be 1.7. And the blocks at 0.7 are also not going to stay where they are. So we're going to need a lot out of Jordan Poole to counterbalance the things we know are on their way down. If we assume that the Wizards start playing slightly more competitive ball games, I think we can also assume that means Jordan Poole is going to get more like 18 shots per game instead of 15. He's taken 18 shots per game twice this year. It wasn't in the two competitive games. It was in the season opener and then the one right after that. Since then, he's taken 11, 13, 14, and 15. There's a big learning curve going on in Washington. But what I would also say is, I don't think Poole gets all the way back where he was drafted. And I don't think it's super close. Poole was taken around 40 with the hope that he could have so much usage, he would just overwhelm the bad stuff. But right now, if you bring his steals and blocks back to their career norms, you're talking about like a, a revved-up version of Jordan Clarkson, which is 150 or later. So, we don't need to... And this is what makes it harder. We don't actually need Poole to go from 95 to 40. We really kind of need him to go from 150 to 40 when those defensive stats level off. He, to me, and the funny thing is, he and Cat are right next to each other on the rank board, 94 and 95, but they've gotten there in such wildly different ways. It's Cat being really bad at shooting and a number that you just know is going to fix itself versus Poole, who's been in a whole bunch of blowouts, has been really, really good defensively. Field goal percent is not that low. We know the free throw number is going to come up, so at least that will start to counterweight it a little bit. But there's going to have to be a whole lot of usage. Two, three, four extra shots per game, I believe, to even get him inside the top 60. So while Jordan Poole is probably a buy low, I don't think I'm doing it because I don't think I can go, I don't think I can get him cheap enough yet. I would want to be able to get Jordan Poole trading someone away who's in the 60 to 80 range right now, or 50 to 80 range right now, 
that I think is going to fall off a bunch. But I don't think that's going to get the job done. I don't think somebody's going to give up Jordan Poole for someone that I think is going to fall that's in the 50s. Like Gordon Hayward is 59, but that's not going to be enough to get to Jordan Poole. It's not going to be close. The guys in that range, like the guys that are doing slightly better than that, I don't think I would want to give them up for Jordan Poole. Maybe Mark Williams. Maybe they both end up near 60 at the end of this whole adventure. I don't think I would want to give up Jalen Duran. I think he's got a shot to be ahead of that mark. Dylan Brooks isn't going to be enough to get it done. I don't think you want to give up, like, who'd we talk about with Cat? Alper and Shangun? I think I'd rather have Shangun than Jordan Poole. Felt that way, I think, on draft day. And you guys know I'm not a huge Shangun guy, but I'm. I thought he was getting drafted, like, kind of around where he belonged. But Poole, I didn't think belonged where he was getting drafted. He just kept getting pushed higher and higher and higher. And now I think in a good scenario, he gets back to maybe 60, 65. But how are you going to be able to convince the person that drafted him to give him up for, I don't know, man, Jalen Johnson and Kelly Oubre together? It's not going to happen. And then you start to look at underperforming guys. Like, is that going to make any sense? Are you going to be able to go get him for Marcus Smart? No. Are you going to be able to get him for Clint Capella? No. Could you pair some of those guys? Maybe, but now you might be giving up way too much. So I guess if I have to pick between buy or bust, I take bust. The answer to all of these is somewhere in a gray area in the middle, but I don't think he gets back to where he's going to be, and I don't think the price is low enough on him yet. Whereas I think maybe you might be able to get Cat at a... At, a low enough price. Maybe I'm wrong on that one. Maybe you'd have to go higher than I said, but I think it's doable. And our last name on the first ever, ever buy or bust segment here on the show is Markel Fultz, who's hurt right now, so that clouds the analysis a little bit. But it's also worth pointing out that so far this year, Fultz has played in four ball games. Uh, the first one was a blowout win where he only needed to play 24 minutes. The second one was actually a closer ball game where he got outplayed by the other backcourt guards. Kind of throw those out. I think we can do our analysis on faults on the most recent two ball games, the Magic back-to-back in Los Angeles against the Lakers when he had 14 and 8 with a steal, two blocks on 7 out of 16 shooting, and against the Clippers when he had 12 points, five boards, only one assist, weirdly, and a steal on 6 out of 11 shooting. Roll that stuff together, and you get an iteration of Markel Fultz that's actually an awful lot like the second half Fultz last year, which, for those that forgot, was kind of in between 70 and 100, sort of bouncing around in that range, depending kind of on the week, really. But he was about 15 points, four boards, six assists, 1.4 steals. I think that's always going to be a pretty good number for him, about half a block, 51 and change from the field, 84 at the free throw line. Which, by the way, he's 0 for 1 foul shooting so far this year, so you know, make of that what you will. It's a very low-volume, bad-impact free throw. 0 for 1 means nothing at all. It's going to show up on the board as bad, but he's missed one free throw in four ballgames. But what do we think happens to the other stuff? Because right now, in his four ball games, Fultz is at 11 points, four boards, four and a half assists, 1.3 steals, and half a block on 50%, and then zero at the free throw line. But again, you can throw that out. 
But two of those are in the games that were deci- either decided early or he just wasn't playing as well, where he averaged nine points. If you throw those out, he's actually at 13 points, not 11. If you throw out those first two games, it actually doesn't change his assist mark very much, but it does change his rebounds because he had only six boards his first two games, and he had nine boards in his most recent two, and that's just a byproduct of being on the court for normal starters' minutes. So I think it's quite reasonable to assume that Fultz is somewhere between 13 and 15 points this year, around four rebounds, maybe a tiny bit more than that even. Uh, I would think somewhere between four and six assists. They do have a lot of guys that can handle the basketball. And 1.3 or more steals and half a block. But where does that get him? Because he doesn't shoot the three-pointer at all, which is is going to sort of deflate his number. And he's not going to rack up assists and points, so it's not like he can be a big-time elite guy there. The thing that he's really good at is steals. So those have to be there, and I think they will be. But again, without being a focal point, which I don't think he is. they got plenty of shot guys on the team that would prefer, I think, to take shots before he does. It does sort of limit what the upside is for Fultz. That said, he's at number 143 right now partially because he hasn't hit a free throw yet, partially because the numbers are being yanked down by two games where he didn't play as much, and partially because, again, he does have that sort of ceiling on how high his numbers can go unless he just magically falls into a bunch more usage. But I would say between buy and bust, my answer is buy on faults. I do think that he still gets back where he was roughly the second half last year, maybe not all the way there. I had him pegged as like around a 90-range 9-cat guy, and he's at 140 right now. Uh, but everything seems to indicate that he should be able to get back to that 90 range. What I don't know is what it would take to get him. Because you're in this weird spot where you don't want to overpay. Maybe you could find someone that you think falls back outside the top 100 that's in the 70s and 80s right now. That's probably your best pairing. Uh, like a I don't think Bogdan Bogdanovich is going to get it done. Nobody even realizes that he's having this crazy steals start to the year. Um, And I don't think I would go any higher than that. But if you're looking in the 70s and 80s, a couple names that jump out are guys like Denny Avdia, uh, although maybe he profiles as a 90-range guy anyway. Uh, P.J. Washington, who we've seen time and again fall outside the top 100, mostly because that field goal percent at 55 is probably not going to hold for him. Um... Tim Hardaway Jr. is at 80 right now. You know the three-pointers are not going to stick at almost four per ball game, and he's not going to make every single free throw he takes all season long. Grant Williams, who I really have liked so far, but he's also shooting 56%, almost exclusively on three-pointers. That's not going to hold. Kavon Looney probably won't get it done. Uh, Sadiq Bey at 87 is an intriguing one. If you think Jalen Johnson continues to chew minutes away from him, if you think oh, any of those guys would get you Markel Fultz, those are the names I think I'd be throwing out there because they are performing better than 90 right now, but I think they fall behind 90 and Fultz catches up with them. So that's kind of the pairings, at least, that make sense in my mind. So those are your three uh, buy or busts here on the first ever edition of Buy or Bust. I will say the chat room is open. We're going to do a little lightning round here. I have a couple of minutes because we're only doing one podcast today. Actually, that's not true. The Brewski Secret Show is sometime this afternoon, but that one won't be a super-duper long one. Uh, I will say again, here's the Discord link. Throw that up on the screen. It is in the show description. And if you want to get on the mailing list to get the link to the secret 
Bespris Brewski podcast, the only way to do it is to sign up at this link that I just put on the screen. Um, if you're listening after the fact, we've been tweeting it out over at, at Dan Bespris, over at uh, Ethos Fantasy BK. Um, I'm going to try to remember to put it in the show description, but I'm probably going to forget unless I actually physically do it right this second. Uh, but I can't because I'm doing too many things at the same time. Oopsies. What are you going to do? Uh, and then, of course, also, please take a moment to hit that like button. Remind you again here, mid-show, subscribe. Please subscribe. Come on. I know there's new folks that are coming in. Subscribe. We got good stuff going on around here, whether it's the show or the pod or whatever. All right, let's do a few questions before we wrap things up. What are your thoughts on DeAnthony Melton, Josh Hart, and Christian Wood? Would you drop Scoot for any of them? Mm. This is Roto question. Head-to-head, I think I... Yeah, I mean, these guys are going to be better than Scoot for the next three months. You might regret the Scoot drop in, like, February when he starts to get to do all the stuff in Portland, but it's not going to be super soon. I have... I feel bad about telling anybody to drop Scoot because he's going to be really interesting in a couple of months. So it's, it comes down to how long you can sit on him. In Roto, I would prefer to have any of those guys over him right now. Hart is the one where you feel like maybe there's enough upside to, to make the swap. I don't know about upside for Wood or Melton right now. Um, but you're probably best served just sitting on him. If guys like Hart, Melton, and Wood are on the waiver wire, that means that decent guys are going to be floating around. Uh, none of them have the... You know, January, February, March potential that Scoot does. Daniel Gafford or P.J. Washington? Give me Gafford. Roto side, definitely Gafford. Head-to-head. That's uh, a little tighter. I think I'll still go Gafford. What is Kyle Kuzma's rest-of-season outlook? Do I think he keeps this up? Uh, no, I don't think he keeps up 50% shooting from the field. He's never been a 50% field goal guy. He's also at 80% at the free throw line. So percentage is likely to come down. Big usage is likely to stay high. He probably falls from around 50 range where he is right now in nine cap, maybe back towards the 80 to 100 zone. Um, so a little bit of a sell high, but not by a ton. Daniel Gafford or Derek Lively rest of season. Uh, give me Gafford. He still has no competition, really. R.J. Barrett is available on the wire. Do I drop Wood, Mo Wagner, Spencer Dinwiddie? Not in a category league. R.J. Barrett will destroy your poor team. Points league, you can drop uh, Wagner or Wood for Barrett. But category leagues, no. You just leave him on the wire because he's horrible in category formats. What do you think about pairing Simons or Vassell with somebody in a trade for Jalen Brunson? It's hard to pair off injured guys and trade up. Just telling you, man. I don't think any of those guys get it done. I know Brunson's been slumping a bit to start the year, but you can't trade away an injured guy and expect to get somebody better. It's just not going to happen. Get the thought out of your head, and then you'll have an easier time accepting the reality. Nas Reed or Walker Kessler tonight? Well, it sounds like Kessler's doubtful, so you probably got to go Nas Reed. Donovan Mitchell and Gordon Hayward for Anthony Edwards and Devin Vassell. Which side do you like? I think I like the, the Donovan Mitchell side. I, Anthony Edwards has been really, really, really good. Um, and he's still number 34. Because, well, because the defensive stats haven't really been there yet. But I also think the 52% shooting and 83% foul stuff, those things come down a little bit. And uh, Donovan Mitchell is number two. It's just... He's in a class of his own in this particular trade. 
Should I start Jakob Pertl or Mark Williams today? Uh, if Precious Achua's in, that makes the decision a lot easier because then you're definitely going Mark. I think I'll go Mark Williams anyway. Max Struess versus Cole Anthony in a Roto League. Uh, give me Struess. Either of them worth playing tonight. Cavaliers are in Oklahoma City. Uh, I think you could you could probably sit on it. Yeah, go ahead and sit on it. Would you trade Gordon Hayward and Ben Simmons for Nick Claxton? Yes. How about Freddie Van Vliet and Gordon Hayward for Cat? Um. Hmm. No. I don't think I would. I think Freddie is... We haven't seen any steals yet from Van Vliet. He's a big steals guy, and he's at .5. He's going to have a few... He's going to have a week where he gets, like, 14 steals, and that number's going to jump to one and a half. And I still think there's a decent shot. He beats Cat per game, but also they're probably just going to be really close. So, a little bit of an overpay. Hey, Dan, who should be dropped if Duran plays today among my Kobe White, Kyle Anderson, Mo Wagner? Uh, you could drop Kobe or Mo. I don't really care there. Probably Kobe White. Now it's head-to-head, -head, so he's a little bit more useful there. Ugh. Nah, just go Wagner. You know he's a streamer at best anyway. Mike Conley versus New Orleans, Melton versus Boston, or Manuel Quickly versus San Antonio for today? I don't know, man. That's a DFS question, and I am not the best at DFS. I would probably lean Conley just for the safety of it all, but... Is it the right decision to trade away Tyrese Maxey for Kyrie? Yeah, I'm good. I think I answered this one yesterday, actually. Points League. Jared Allen and Clay Thompson for Jalen Duran and Trey Jones... Um, I don't think trading away Jared Allen's a good move right now. He's he's still having his minutes ramped up, so I'm going to say no. Hey, Dan, love your show. Listening at work now in New Zealand. Awesome. Outstanding. You're at work now? Isn't it like, like 4 in the morning? No, that's not right. 2, two 3 in the morning? Something like that? What the, what the hell is the time in New Zealand right now? I'm going to look it up. Time in New Zealand. Oh, 7.30 a.m.? How is that possible? You're three hours? No, that can't be right. Is that really right? Isn't that the same? That's like the time in Hawaii right now. That seems nuts. Now I'm obsessed with time zones again. Would you trade Jalen Johnson to get Keegan Murray? No. Should I accept Cam Thomas for Freddie Van Vliet? I get Van Vliet, yes. Greetings from Denmark. What do you think about the trade? Cade and Brooke Lopez for Scotty Barnes and Cam Thomas in a points league. Oh, Cam Thomas is likely to see a pretty stark drop-off at some point here, but he's a big part of what they're doing right now. Um, Scotty Barnes has been crazy. I think I... Man, I might go... Sheesh. I might go the Scotty Barnes-Cam Thomas side, believe it or not. Yahoo made Cam Johnson available now. Who's the drop for a streaming spot? Brogdon, Jalen Johnson, or Derek Lively? Uh, probably Lively. Should I trade Cade, DeRozan, and DeJounte for Trey, Holmgren, and Reeves in a point league? Oh my god, I have no idea. 
This is too much for a live show question. Sorry, dude. Three for threes, that's a bit much. Am I? Yeah, there we go. Um, would you hold Gary Trent Jr. or is he a drop? He's probably a drop. Jalen Brown for Carl Anthony Towns. Um, I think I might go Towns. Yeah, give me Towns on that one. We'll go Towns. Someone wants to trade me Cat for Paolo Boncaro and Onyeka Okongwu. Yes, you take Cat, for goodness gracious. Okongwu or Markel Fultz? I'm going to go Okongwu on that one. I just sold DeAndre Ayton for Mikhail Bridges. That's fine. Yeah, I think I'd rather have Mikhail Bridges. Good trade. Kobe White or Jalen McDaniels in 9-cat? Uh, it's Jalen by a little bit. Booker or Trey Young rest of season? Probably Booker. Just strict rankings, it's Booker. Needed a center. I traded Freddie Van Vliet for Vooch. I think we'll, both will get better. How did I do is basically the question here. Um, I think I'd rather have Van Vliet. But if you needed a center, you needed a center. Will P.J. Washington still be relevant once Bridges returns? Relevant, yes, but he's also sort of running hot right now. So uh, I would expect P.J. to fall just outside the top 100 like sort of the usual. Should I sell Brooke Lopez for Tyus Jones? No, I think I'd rather have Brooke. Higher upside between Karis LeVert and Christian Wood. Um, I don't know that either one of them has super high upside, but I go Christian Wood because we know Anthony Davis is going to miss games at some point, and that's when you get to sort of cash in on the Christian Wood stuff. Would you sell Aiton for Jalen Brunson? Um, only if you need a guard. I think they end up pretty close to each other, actually. DeMar and Clint Capella for Tyrese Maxey. Pretty fair deal. Probably slightly into the maxi side. Where do you think Mike Conley and P.J. Washington end the year? Conley around 100, P.J. around 110. There's my best educated guess, but everybody's so damn close in that range. Who should I drop once C.J. McCollum is back? Well, you're getting way out in front of this one, man. Your team might look totally different in a month and a half. Malcolm Brogdon, Marcus Smart, or Freddie Van Leet, or D'Angelo Russell? It's probably Malcolm Brogdon. Would you trade P.J. Washington for Jalen Johnson? Yes. Do I accept a trade that would get me Trey Young for my Cam Thomas? Yes. Get Trey Young there. Marcus Smart, Jordan Poole, or Zach Collins? Who do I start tonight? Out of those three, you probably go Jordan Poole and then pray. I know. Oh, our New Zealand friend confirms it is actually 7.30 a.m. there. What's the time in Hawaii right now? 8.30. What? That's crazy. New Zealand and Hawaii are one hour apart right now? I got a Google time zone map. I know that, like, laterally. What's that? Is that longitudinal or, or latitude? I guess it's laterally, so probably, probably latitude. Uh, I get that, like, you know, east, west, New Zealand, Hawaii are not that far apart, but it is kind of crazy that they're one hour de difference. Man, this is wild. All right, New Zealanders, I guess we can hang out a whole lot more these days. Thank you, daylight saving time. Anywho, uh, Scotty Barnes for Chet Holmgren. Is Chet a good enough target? I mean, you're you're buying high and selling high. But sure, I don't care. You can go either way on that one. You're in pretty good shape. I think I would probably look at someone else who's maybe not likely to see some kind of dip, but yeah, it's fine. 
Tyler Hero or Nico Vucevic? Uh, let's go Vooch on this one. Hero's been really, really good. I just I can't see this this pace holding all year, especially the steals. But yeah, I'll go Vooch by a nose. Cooked or raw sushi rolls? I'm not a big sushi guy. I don't know if you guys have seen the episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm where Larry David walks into a Japanese restaurant and everyone inside yells chicken teriyaki at the same time at him. I'm a little bit that. So um, cooked is the choice there because I'm, I'm not a raw fish guy. My wife hates it, uh, hates me for that because she loves sushi more than anything um, and we don't get it very often. Because I just, you know what I really, it's not that I hate fish, raw fish all that much. I really don't like seaweed. I freaking hate seaweed. It's gross. Someone at a recent sushi meal was telling me that they make a, a rice wrap instead of seaweed. I would be willing to give that a very strong try. Because I, I just, I can't stand the, the, the texture. I can't stand the aftertaste of seaweed. So just sushi on rice. I know that like sashimi I'm actually kind of okay with that. It's not my favorite, but it doesn't turn me off the way that an actual seaweed. So like a hand roll? Oh, God. Or the, the what, what's the ones that are like in the big funnel? I think that's the, the hand roll, right? Those are so much seaweed. Ben Simmons or Tyus Jones? I'll go Tyus. Is Scoot worth a first waiver priority on the wire? Uh, I'm going to say no. He's hurt, and it's going to take him a while to acclimate. Do you think Josh Giddy is a buy low? I don't. I mean, he's sort of a buy low, but he's also, I think, a bust. And he was on my bust list prior to the season starting because he was going at 60. He finished last year at like 110, and it wasn't like his role was going to get bigger with Chad Holmgren coming around. I got to wrap it up, guys. We're at an hour 12 now. Would you trade Jakob Pertle and Keegan Murray for Zach Levine? Yes. DeAndre Ayton and Derek White or Cat? Uh, give me Ayton and Derek White. I... I I think it's a bit of an overpay for Cat there. Someone keeps asking the same question about Aiton for Mikhail Bridges. I answered that question. Mikhail, by a little bit. Why is Hart an ad? He played 30 minutes off the bench, and last year in New York when he was playing 30 bench minutes, he was a top 65 play. And we have to believe that if that's the role that he now falls himself finds himself in, that he's an easy top 90 with some upside. So that's the Josh Hart answer. Who's a good big to target for Tyus Jones? Nobody right now, because Tyus is uh, underperforming at present, scoring only 10 points per game because, like Jordan Poole, he can't get himself into a damn competitive basketball game. No, that's not right. Is he at 12? Make sure I get the numbers right on Tyus Jones. Uh, 11 points per game, but he's playing only 26 and a half minutes per night. So if they get into these competitive ball games, it stands to reason that his stuff is just going to slowly get higher because he's like a solid 20% fewer minutes than he would be getting in a normal length ball game. Add 20% to everything he's doing right now. He goes from number 104 to probably number 70 something. Then you want to sell or just ride it. It's November 9th now in New Zealand, November 8th in Hawaii, which is crazy. Yeah, that's that's absolutely nuts because you got the international dateline in between those two spots. That boggles the mind, man. Like you fly just a little bit, like they're they're separated by one hour. But an entire day. So technically, they're separated by 23 hours. But that's just, whoa, crazy every time. Jalen Williams was dropped in my league. Should I drop Brogdon or Smart? Drop Brogdon. Jalen Williams should not be dropped. That's crazy. 
Last question. Have you seen any news on Jose Alvarado? I have not. And I think some of you are getting back to your workday anyway. Um, that's it. Lots of questions. We're not going to be able to do all of them every time, but figured, what the hell, my voice is starting to come back. And, you know, only one show this morning. Secret show with Brew this afternoon. Make sure to sign up for the email list so you get the link of when that weird one is going out. Brew and I are going to talk about all sorts of random crap. Movies, TV shows, life, kids, some fantasy basketball. It is a completely unscripted weirdo show. I think you guys are all have uh, a ball. Find me on Twitter at Dan Bespris. I expect you guys will all locate it over there at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I will see you on social or Discord or just our next show here on the YouTubes. Later for now, everybody.